All right, good morning, Hilton Head Island Community Church. I'm so glad to be back with you all. I was just here a few weeks ago. Uh, Your pastor, Todd, is on perpetual vacation. He's not really. He was in Belize last time I was here. Uh, Today, he's in Atlanta, so we've swapped places. Uh, For those of you who I have not met or come to know yet, my name is Clint Trebish, and I work with a ministry called The Navigators in Atlanta, Um, and I get to work alongside college students, business professionals, church leaders, immigrants, young uh, kids, all kinds of stuff. And uh, and so Todd and I have swapped. He's hanging out with a buddy in Atlanta. He's going to be gone for a few weeks. He's he's taking a much-needed Sabbath rest time of study and break um, in the midst of a a busy season here in the church. And so I'm privileged and honored to be with you all this morning. I love coming back to the church here. Uh, I want you all to know just how grateful we are, my wife and I, that you support us as some of your global partners. We are blessed uh, that you support the work God is doing with us in Atlanta. And so thank you. We are kicking off a new series, as Cynthia mentioned earlier, aka God, also known as God. Who is God to you? Who is God to you? When you think of the name of God, what comes to your mind? What attributes, what characteristics come to your mind when you think of God? Creator, lover, savior. There is a long list. I have a a book titled 150 Names of God. So buckle up. Here we go this morning. We're only going to get to one of them today. Uh, Recently, a couple months ago in April, uh, a company uh, called the Pew Research Center does church and uh, ministry research across the country. They did a study on this. When people think of God in America, in our American culture, what do they think of? Here's what they found. 80% 80% of the people they surveyed in churches and ministries across the country said they believe in God. 80% of people in churches and ministries across the country said they believe in God. The study went a little further, and it, and it, and it got into, okay, well, what, what does that actually mean, right? So we, we know in our American Christian culture here in the South in particular, there are, there are a lot of views of God. And so they went a little further and they, they looked at, okay, of those 80%, how many of them believe in the God of the Bible? Half of those 80% said they really believe in the God of the Bible. And my guess is a lot of those people, that half have a lot of mixed up ideas and theories and understanding of who is the God of the Bible? Who is he? What is he doing? What is he like? What does he want? What does he desire? What came out of this is what they call the my God complex. Where what we've done in a culture is we've, we've come to a place where we've said, well, my God is like this. My God is not like that. 
And what we've done is we've, we've taken things from the Bible, we've taken things from media and our culture and our world, and we've all too often crafted our own personal God that tragically doesn't often reflect who the real one true God of the universe is. Because what we want to do is we want to interject our values, we want to interject our beliefs and our convictions of what we feel like is right, and we say, well, this, is, this must be what God is like. And so the Pew Research Center released this study in April, and they said, this is alarming in our churches, that there's a real lack of understanding and education on who the real one true God of the Bible is. And we're going to dive into one of the attributes of God, a name of God that's really my favorite. Pastor Todd invited me and uh, some others to say, what's one attribute of God you'd love to speak on? And so this morning we're going to talk about God is faithful. God is faithful. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, as we open your word this morning, and as we dive into the passages that we're going to open, I pray, God, that you would speak, and that you would reveal to us the truth and, and the knowledge and the understanding of who you are. You are a faithful God. And I pray that we would walk away this morning, not just understanding that, but embracing it and accepting it and living out of it in our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was in my early 20s, uh, I had I come to know Jesus as a freshman in college, and, and a few years into that, in my early 20s, this question started coming up to me and started gnawing at me. Is God trustworthy? Can I trust this God? I'd experienced a number of things, hardships, frustrations, difficulties, struggles in my life, and that question was viable out of Life experience. Is God trustworthy? Can we trust him? And I'll never forget, I came across a verse in Numbers 23, 19. It says, God is not a man that he should lie. Nor is he a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? I read that and I thought, yeah, this is the God I want to follow. A God who speaks and acts. A God who promises and fulfills. And it set me on a journey of searching the scriptures and diving into, is God faithful? And so we're going to open up. If you've got a program, uh, a worship guide this morning, we're going to look at seven verses that have been tremendous in my life that have been hugely transformational in my life. We're going to start in Deuteronomy 7, verse 9. And we're going to just walk through the Bible from Deuteronomy uh, through towards the ends. We don't have time to hit on all, of the God, all the verses of God's faithfulness, so we are going to look at 7. So here it is. If you have it, open with me to Deuteronomy 7, 9. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. 
What God is speaking to Moses here in this passage is he's revisiting the covenant that he had made with Abraham. He had made this covenant with Abraham. In fact, he had made a number of promises to Abraham. I wish we had time just to look at the promises God made to Abraham this morning. He made a number of incredible, powerful promises that are actually meant for us as well. And one of those promises is that he would multiply Abraham and make him great into a mighty nation. And through him, he would ultimately bless and save the world, the nations of the world. Small promise? A massive promise. And he says here, he says, I am faithful to keep this covenant. That I will save the world, I will redeem the world in love, in steadfast love. And this is meant for us. God is faithful to his promises, to his covenant. He is faithful to love us steadfastly. Jesus kind of reiterates this in in John 14, 21. He says, whoever has my commands and keeps them, he is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Jesus is rephrasing Deuteronomy 7, 9. My family was just on vacation this last week. Uh, Have any of you been to eastern Tennessee, like up in the Great Smoky Mountains, Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge? There There is no place on the planet quite like Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. I mean, good night. It is a trip. Uh... We spent a week up there. I grew up in the mountains, loved camping, so we decided, I decided, uh, hey, let's go camping for two nights in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. My wife, Leanne, she said, uh, I can tolerate that if we followed up with like staying at a condo, maybe it has a pool. So we compromised, we started camping, finished with a condo and a pool. Note to all you husbands out there, start rough, finish well. Uh, It's a a recipe for success. So we we were on vacation last week. We got back Friday. And uh, when when we had gotten to the campground, uh, there's a little little camp store, the check-in place, and they had this sign advertised, you know, ice cream. I have three little girls, seven, four, and and three. And and so my daughters see this sign. You know, a two-year-old can't read until she sees ice cream. And uh, and so they see this sign, ice cream. Daddy, 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 can we have ice cream? You know, and we're checking in, we're trying to get accustomed, and I'm thinking, well, maybe in the corner of my mind, and then I see the price, I'm like, this is a ripoff. We're not going to get ice cream here in the middle of the woods where they have to make ice in a churn in the back. This is not going to be the place we get ice cream. So, so I said, I promise we can have ice cream later. Yeah, you're like, mm, yeah. So, so the, you know, after arguing a little bit, they resigned to it. So the next day, when my daughters woke up, they said, Daddy, can we have ice cream? Well, it's, it's 7 in the morning. No, we're not going to have ice cream. But you promised. You promised. So I'm thinking, okay, well, today we're going to go find some ice cream. You see, my daughters knew if Daddy promises, he will follow through. He better follow through, or there's going to be problems. I realized, as the promiser, I have a choice to be faithful or to break their trust. God is a God who is faithful. 
I have a friend who said, promises are like pie crusts, lightly made and easily broken. That is how we view promises in our culture. I don't want to be a dad who breaks promises. Our Father in heaven is not a God who breaks promises. When he speaks, he acts. He's a faithful God. Deuteronomy 7, 9. God is faithful. We're going to move on. Flipping over a lot, a bit, into the rest of the Old Testament. In Lamentations. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. I love this verse. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Here it is again. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. In verse 23, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now you better believe me as a sinful man rests on this promise every day. What an incredible promise of God. God is faithful. Great is your faithfulness. There's an incredible hymn written about this verse. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning. His mercies are new every day. God is faithful to be a merciful God. God is faithful to steadfastly love us. He will not back off on it. He has promised it. He will fulfill it. So my question for you is, do you feel that? Do you feel the steadfast love of the Lord? Do you feel the mercy of God? Do you know it? In that moment of sin, in that moment of doubt, in that moment of lack of faith, his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. You know, as a parent, <clears throat> what I've come to realize with young kids is I just have to expect to wake up every morning and realize my daughters will need new mercy today. <laughs> Children, as a child, praise God that our parents can operate under the understanding that we need new mercy every day. All right, you parents out there, how many of you realize this? Yes, if I lived with that outlook and that expectation, that, that perspective in my life that every day my children are going to need new mercy, new grace, new compassion, how would that change your parenting? How would that en- endure you to love your children all the more? To not a- accept the fallenness and the sin, but to love and embrace them and help them through it. Like a parent waking up every day knowing our child needs love and mercy, God does this for us. As our Father, he says, you will need new mercy every day. Every day. Great is his faithfulness. We're gonna keep moving. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. When I was in college, this verse resonated with me so loud. Today, this verse resonates with me so loud. It says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is what? Faithful. 
He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. What is God faithful to here? He's faithful not to remove us from temptation, but to make sure that the temptation and the struggle and the trials in our lives are not so much that we can't bear them, that they will break us. What that means is when I'm going through a trial, a temptation, a struggle, if it's lust, if it's a temptation to cheat, to deceive, if it's a temptation to uh, dishonor God in some way, no temptation is greater than we can bear. God knows that. He knows our limits. He knows what each and every one of you can endure and bear. And he is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. And this other part, he says, I will also then provide a way of escape so that you may be able to stand up under it. How many of you have seen uh, the movie Fireproof? It's, an, uh, I don't know, maybe it's close to 10 years old now. Christian, Christian produced movie. But there's a scene in this movie, and if you haven't seen the movie Fireproof, it's powerful. Um, part of the story is the main character in it, he and his wife are really in a very dark place in their marriage. They're on the brink of divorce. He's struggling with an addiction to pornography, lust. He's a firefighter, comes home after working, you know, two or three days in a shift in a row, and he gets on his computer and he looks at pornography. And there's a scene in this movie that is so powerful where he comes to realize that God is faithful and the way of escape is to remove the computer. And he takes the computer out into his driveway and he, he does this office space scene on it where he starts breaking it up with a baseball bat or a golf club or something. And his old man neighbors stand next to him, watering the flowers. And it's kind of like, but this guy's lost his mind. But this picture in this movie is sometimes the way of escape is through drastic measures. One of the guys that I mentor and disciple on campus, uh, he and I had a conversation about this, temptation with lust. What is the way of escape? He came to the conclusion that the way of escape was to, believe it or not, get rid of his smartphone and to go back to a flip phone. Seriously. And so in the modern day of smartphone-run world, he went, he went into the dark ages with a flip phone because he knew that was the way of escape that God was giving him. And he removed the temptation that God was allowing him to endure. God is faithful. He will not let you bear beyond what you can endure. He will help you escape it. We're going to keep going. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. What will he surely do? He will make sure you are blameless through the blood of Jesus 
at the coming of Christ. The God of peace himself, the God who has come down. We were singing this song, what a beautiful name it is, right? That heaven came down to earth. That God said, I am going to bring peace to the brokenness of this world. God himself will keep us blameless, our whole body, soul, and spirit. The author, Paul, is is writing this and he's saying, he will sanctify you. This sanctifying is he will set you apart. He will make you holy. He will make you a new person, a new creation. God is faithful. God is faithful. He will come again. So on those days, in those moments, maybe even this morning, where you think blameless, that is definitely not me. True. You are not. None of us are. There's not a person in here who is blameless. But when God the Father looks at you and he sees Jesus Christ's perfect, obedient life that you have received and accepted as your Lord, He sees you as blameless. God is faithful. A little further over in the book of 2 Timothy, Paul writes to his dearest disciple, he calls him his son in his faith, Timothy. Timothy's a pastor in the church of Ephesus at this time. Timothy's struggling. Timothy's under an an intense amount of pressure as a pastor, a young pastor. And Paul writes this letter to encourage him, to charge him, to challenge him. And in this chapter, in chapter 2, there's this line. that's such a good reminder to all of us. 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. What does this mean for us that God's faithfulness is not dependent on our performance, our works, our obedience? Our faithfulness is dependent on God's faithfulness. Our faith is dependent on God's faithfulness. And God's faithfulness is dependent on his promises. God is faithful no matter what you do. It doesn't change his character. And it doesn't change how he interacts with you. It doesn't change how he loves you steadfastly. It doesn't change his mercy. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Don't give me a show of hands on this, but how many of you have struggled with faithlessness? I have. Regularly. Frequently. The world and the pressures of society, culture, finances, family, parenting, you name it, work, whatever it is. That pressure is constantly and consistently on us. The enemy is at work to break down our faith. God remains faithful. A few years ago, uh, 
There was a student in our ministry when we were living in, in New Mexico, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. There's a student in our ministry who was one of the least faithful people that I had ever, ever met. We would set up an appointment, a meeting to have lunch or whatever. Make sure we have the time down. How are you, you going to be there? Yeah. I would show up. He would not. This happened over and over and over again. And I was so frustrated, and I, and I called uh, an old friend of mine, a guy who had mentored me in college at one point. I called him, and I said, what do I do with this guy? He's, when I see him in person, he's excited. He says, yeah, I want to I engage. I want to be involved. I want to meet with you. I'd love to grow from you. I'd love to learn from you. And then we'd set something up, and he wouldn't show up. What do I do with this guy? And my old friend, my mentor, Bill, he said, Glenn, it actually sounds a lot like you when you were in college. I said, come on, no, that's not true. He said, no, it's true. When we first met, you stood me up over and over and over again. He said, you were faithless. You were unfaithful. I said, Bill, why didn't you ever tell me this? He said, I wanted to be patient, I wanted to give you mercy, and I wanted to believe the best in you. You should do the same for this guy. All right. So that was a gut check for me. This guy eventually came around. His name's Matthew. Matthew started leading Bible studies of his own, graduated from college, got married, and now works for the Albuquerque Zoo. He was a biology major. He works for the zoo. And his passion is helping his coworkers decipher the difference between evolution and creation and lead them to an understanding of God in the Bible. I don't know what would have happened to Matthew had I not had that conversation with Bill to remind me, yeah, at one time I was faithless. We all have these moments. God is faithful. He will not give up. Hebrews 10, 23. We're going to move on. Hebrews 10, 23 says this. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. For he who promised is faithful. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. What is it that you hope in? I find myself using this phrase often, uh, with friends, I hope, dot, 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 right? Here in, here in a, I don't know, an hour, the finals of the World Cup are going to happen. And, you know, we say, I hope France wins. I hope Croatia wins. I hope the Cavs would win one more NBA title. I hope LeBron would stay in Cleveland. What, you know, whatever it is. I hope. And we throw these phrases out, I hope, I hope, I hope, pretty flippantly. Hope is based on assurance. And I've realized I use this word too much. I desire things. I would love to see things happen. But hope is based on assurance. That someone has promised and will be faithful to it. What is the only thing we can really hope in? The faithfulness of God. God is faithful. That is what our hope lies in. So as we leave, as you go home and you realize, I hope this business opportunity will work out. 
I hope this client will follow through. I hope that my child, my son or daughter, will dot, 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 get into this school or whatever it is, I hope. Let us rest our hope on the faithfulness and the assurance of God's promises and entrust these other things to him. Let us trust that God will work and will as he pleases. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering because he is faithful. And finally, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Friends, brothers and sisters in Christ in here, this is what I want us to close on this morning. The faithfulness of God, the justice of God hinges on this. That he has promised a number of things and will follow through on them. One of which is to forgive us. He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us, to purify us, to redeem us, to restore us, to reconcile us into relationship with him. If we confess our sins, so here's my closing question to you. What does it look like for you to regularly come before the Lord and confess? Once God forgives you, you're forgiven. This isn't a matter of asking God to forgive us for salvation over and over. This is a matter of repentance, true repentance, which isn't just turning away from sin. True repentance is turning to God in his faithfulness to saying the things that I'm struggling with, the temptations, the trials, the sin, I need to continue to work with the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to move away from those. But if we just leave it at that, that's moralism. And that's empty. What we need to do is to turn from that and turn to God who redeems and forgives and restores us. Have you repented? Have you truly turned to God? This God who is loving and merciful and just and kind and gracious. This God is who, who is forgiving and good. Have you truly turned to this God? If you haven't, don't leave here today until you do. And if you're struggling to recognize the faithfulness of God in any of these other areas of your life, Bring before him and say, God, you are a true faithful God. Nothing else is. Nothing else in this world is faithful and true like you. How can I draw near to God while you draw near to me? We could look at God's faithfulness to provide, to be with us, to protect us, to answer us, to save us, to help us, to bring us peace. There are so many promises throughout the scripture we could spend all day diving into them. So what promise do you need from God right now? What promise do you need to lean into and lie on? And is there a, con is there a condition attached? Some of these say, if you do this, God will do this. 
God is faithful regardless of what we do. If you confess, God will forgive. If you are obedient, God will draw you near. Is there a condition attached? Is there an area you're asking him to be faithful? If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Psalm 89 won't be up here, but the psalmist writes this. He says, I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. May we be a people who walk out of this building, out of this church today and say, I want all generations to know the faithfulness of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are a faithful God. You are true to your promises. When we are faithless, you remain faithful. Father God, you allow us in your grace to draw near to you. Father, in your goodness and your mercy and your kindness, God, we get to be part of this, this family, this church, this body with you. And Father, I pray that if there's anyone in here who has not turned to you, who does not believe in you, who does not have their hope in you, God, that today you would draw them to yourself, that today you would redeem them, today you would make them new. And Father, I pray for the rest of us that as we struggle and toil, God, that you would remind us consistently of how good and true you are, that you will not abandon your promises. So Father, God, I pray that Hilton Head Island Community Church would continue to be a light and a beacon on this island, in this community, in the low country, that we would be a people who reflect the faithfulness you exemplify to us and that our relationships would be transformed, our workplaces would be transformed, our neighborhoods would be transformed, our schools would be transformed because we would reflect you. Father, you are good and we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen.